If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 22 is where we'll find our place. Let me encourage you to join us in the month of March as we'll be going on a journey together with the Lord Jesus on the road to Easter. And March, believe it or not, uh, starts uh, very, very soon. In fact, when we meet again next Sunday, we will be in the month of March and rolling right along on the journey. We'll be looking at John 13 through John 20. That's a fair bit of real estate in the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, first four books of your New Testament. And in that fourth book, the book of John, chapter 13 through chapter 20, all covers one week of the Lord Jesus's life. And interestingly enough, the last week of his life. And so it brings us right up to Easter and to the cross and to Good Friday and to that amazing weekend celebration that is surely one of our highlights as a church uh, year in and year out. So I want to invite you to join us uh, on Sundays throughout the month of March at 9 or 1030 as we cover the last week of our Lord's life um, on the journey. Uh, wasn't that choir a blessing this morning? Amen. So good. Yeah, we thank the choir. Clearly, they put in a lot of hard work and presented a beautiful piece that warmed my heart to hear it. They will be singing again at our Good Friday service. And so you don't want to miss that uh, on that Friday evening. And we'll be talking about that more and more throughout the month of March. Today, we are back in and really concluding a message that we started together last week, simply called Forward, Honoring Our Past while building our future together. And uh, I've had the privilege of being your pastor now for approximately six months. And so it's an exciting time for us to, to sort of rally together a bit and, and look out ahead as to where we're headed, where we're going to be journeying together as a church, as we walk together with the Lord Jesus. And we got this started last week. It fits perfectly with our Go emphasis that we've been enjoying all month. Because we don't want to be a church that's just about us, that sort of rallies up together into a holy huddle every week and, and week in and week out. But we are a church that is about our community and loving our community and sharing some amazing good news with those that live around us and with those that are in our state, our nation, and around the world. And we have to have that worldwide view. For Jesus said in, in Acts 1-8, just before he ascended back to the right hand of God the Father, that we are to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And of course, we don't live in the Holy Land, as he was talking to his immediate disciples there. But if he was to say that to us, he says, you've got to have a heart for Corvallis. And for the Mid-Willamette Valley and for the United States, and yes, for the whole wide world, that we would take the opportunity to share with everyone here, there, and everywhere the good news of Jesus. Do you remember that time when you didn't know the Lord Jesus and the pardon and forgiveness of sin? When you were lost and undone, your life was a mess, um, you didn't have hope, you felt alone? I can remember that. I can remember when our family was like that. I come from an entirely unchurched family. No one in my family was going to church. And the Lord Jesus reached into our family, and he changed our entire family from the inside out. And he gave us hope where there was hopelessness. He turned our mess into a message. He gave life and peace where there was struggle and angst. And he brought joy uh, into our dark days. 
And we as a church who have experienced that, we, his people that have experienced that, we want to share the good news of Jesus and all that he can do with anyone that will hear. What a joy it is to do that together. What does that look like? You know, last week we got this message started and we had to jump right over this first slide that I wanted to show you very quickly. And uh, as we go forward, we have to go down a road. We have to make sure that there's some guardrails on that road. Or if we're going down a river, how many have ever done a river trip? You've floated on the river. You've done some white water. Oh, yeah, a lot of you have. That is so much fun. I was uh, on a river trip in North Carolina once, got thrown out of a raft and the raft uh, tried to stop and wait for me, but they couldn't. And they went on down the stream, and I just floated on down. And a very nice couple found me uh, and offered, they did, and they offered me a ride in their canoe. And, uh, and I rode with them on down and met up with the other folks that I had started with. It was funny that I was the one that got thrown out. Nobody else did. Funny how that works, right? I think I was set up for that. Uh, they had me perched right up there on the front, right up on the front. Now that I reflect back on that. Uh, but, you know, on a great river trip, there's that rushing river, but there's banks on that river, right? If there's not banks on the river, you've got a flood, and the flood's only good for one thing, to be mopped up. We want to be a rushing river. On a road, there are guardrails that keep you from going off the side, right? That's what our core values are for as a church, as a, as a congregation. We have these biblically-oriented core values that are, are our banks on the river. They're our guardrails. They help us stay focused. They keep us on the right path as we go together, walking and working with our God. And we have some wonderful, I think, the really historic core values here at Northwest Hills. I'm not for sure there's anything here brand new. I think these have been in play and at work here for a very long time. And can I just say this? That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. At Northwest Hills, we are absolutely, uh, passionately, 100% committed. We will not move off of this fact that we desire to be a Bible-based fellowship, a Bible-based community a Bible-based church. We believe that the Bible is God's Word from cover to cover. It doesn't contain God's Word. It is God's Word. And it is an errant, infallible guide for faith and practice. It shows us how much God loves us. It shows us how we can be rightly related back to God through Christ. It shows us how to do family. It shows us how to do our finances. It shows us how to love other people. It shows us how to handle difficult situations. It speaks to the whole of our life. And we at Northwest Hills love God's word. And the church said, amen to that. And we're never going to turn to the right or the left away from the Bible. We want to learn it. We want to love it. And we want to live it every single day of our lives. Secondly, we're gospel centered. We've got a message to share to the nations, to our street, to our community Yes, to our world. And it is the good news of Jesus. First Corinthians 15, that Jesus died, he was buried, and that he rose again. And when we believe that, when you turn from doing life your way and you turn to Jesus and you believe that he took your sin upon him. And when you unwrap the greatest love gift ever given, his name is Jesus for yourself. He can save you and change you from the inside out. And that's exactly what I saw him do in my life and in my family. And he moves you from hopeless to hopeful, from joyless to joyful, from no peace 
to full peace when you know, as the choir just beautifully sang, the Prince of Peace in your life. And how do I unwrap that, Pastor Mike? How do I find that life and life to the full? You can't find it at the end of a bottle. You can't find it at the end of a needle. You can't find it even at the end of a big and a big and a bigger paycheck. You can only find that type of peace in a personal relationship with Jesus. And it's gospel-centered. We've got to share this good news. Thirdly, we're missionally driven. We're all about getting out, getting out into our community, into our world with this good news. We saw that in our go emphasis. We see that in the events that we have. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. And we're community focused. We focus on this faith community and how we enjoy it, how we're so blessed by it. And we're also focused on our community that God has placed us in, that we can be a blessing with the good news of Jesus. And then all of our community focus and our missional activity and our gospel messaging and our Bible-based theology and our Bible-based lives and our Bible-based focus, all is fueled by prayer. Prayer must be the Christian's vital breath. Prayer is what fuels everything that we do. For when we pray, we are ultimately acknowledging that without him, we can do nothing. And we need his help and we need his empowerment and we need his strength to live out those values every single day. But think of them as those as those main things. Think of them as those banks on the river, those guardrails on the road as we go down this journey of living as a church and living out the mission that the Lord Jesus has given us. What is that mission, Pastor Mike? That leads us right on down the road together to, first of all, the great commandment. Here we are at the end of the uh, book of Matthew. And bear in mind, right at the end of Jesus' life, these are his final words. These are his final words to his disciples. And I love that, that we get to Matthew 22, and then we'll go in just a moment, not there quite yet, to Matthew 28, And we have Jesus speaking to individual followers. The church has not even, as we know it today, been really uh, officially formed yet. He's talking to individual disciples. And so these commands and these commissions are to the individual. And we have an individual responsibility really together this morning to, to wrestle with them. And the first one is simply called the great commandment. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we were to go ahead and finish the rest of that verse, you know what it would say? Upon these two things, loving God and loving others, loving God and loving others, you can hang all of the law and the prophets. In other words, about uh, this amount of your Bible can be summarized Cliff noted into love God and love others, love God and love others. He gave us this great commandment. But secondly, Matthew 28, he gave us this amazing great commission. And think about it. This doesn't happen in just some uh, just some sort of special place called the church where maybe a group of elves fulfill this commission. Or a group of gnomes just walk in and do all of this commission? No. Bear in mind, this is to, we've got to individually wrestle as a follower of Christ with the commandment and the commission. You're commissioned. You are 
commissioned and commanded to love God and to love others and to go out into our world. Jesus came and told his disciples, I love this phrase, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And boy, did he have the authority because this is Jesus who came forth on the third day out of that tomb. We're about ready to celebrate that on Easter. And he proved that he was exactly who he said he was. He was God. He walked out of that tomb. And he gives us the authority to go out and to love people like he loved people. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. There it is. Go and make disciples. Go, reach, baptize, teach. Go, reach, baptize, and teach. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Look what else we're to do. It's just not enough to to sort of impart that good news of the gospel of Jesus. But now, after someone comes to know Jesus in the pardon and forgiveness of sin, we have to what? We have to teach these new followers to obey all his commands, to live a life like Jesus. We want them to know to do, to know to do. I think I've shared with you uh, that for my wife and I, as we raise our kids, we have a really simple focus and passion We, as their dad and mom, uh, we want to see our kids come to know the Lord and learn to be like him. It's that simple. Wait a minute. Don't you want him to be like a doctor or an attorney or a city worker or a or a uh, like a scientist that that um, like invent something really cool? Well, that may or may not happen. I don't know. Um, Well, do you want them to like you want them to like be like a a long haul trucker? Well, maybe I don't know. I kind of think big, big rigs are kind of cool myself. I'd like to drive one of those around for a day. I don't know if I'd want to drive one every day, but I think I'd like to drive one around for a day and try it out. I don't know what God has in mind for them. Here's what I know that my heart is for them is they will come to know Jesus and they will learn to be like him. And then I'm going to trust them and him to figure out what God wants to do with their life and how he wants them to invest their life for his honor and his glory. And while I'm glad to be a coach and, and help point them in the right direction, my ultimate aim is they'll come to know and grow to be like him. And that's exactly what that phrase means. Teach these new followers to obey all my commands. And I love this promise. And lo, I am with you always. Be sure of this. I am with you as you live your life, follower, to fulfill my great commandment and my great commission. What a blessing. What if we could come up with a white-hot initiative? What if we could come up with a phrase that is a bit of a resolve statement that we as the people of God could rally around and we could champion that would be a bit of a, a, a compilation of the commandment and the commission all wrapped up into one. That's exactly what we looked at last week. And now we're all caught up. Our passion is to love our neighbors and to learn together how to know and to live like Jesus. This is our resolve. This is our mission. This is our commitment to love our neighbors, to genuinely love people, to let the love that we have experienced at the heart and the hands of Christ to be shed abroad into our life and through our life to others. That we could discover or explore or journey together into the word to know 
and to live like Jesus. What is really neat is this simple uh, mission statement helps us to really define our strategy going forward. How are we going to go forward as a church? We want to go forward giving individuals the opportunity in our services as we go outside of our church into our community. You as an individual go out to, as we talked last week, remember, to share your story. You have an amazing story to tell. And we share our story and we love people so that we can love them too. I remember my relatives used to say, oh, I just love him to death. You ever heard that phrase? Kind of a creepy phrase if you break it down. I just love I just love her to death. She is so sweet. Kind of a weird phrase when you really pull back off of it. I think I like it better like this. We want to love people to life. We want to love them to life. We want to love them, <coughs> excuse me, so that they can know, so that they can have the opportunity to wrestle with the claims of Christ and know what it means to be in a relationship with God because they have unwrapped for themselves the greatest love gift ever given in his name is Jesus. That they would know Jesus. And we have one verse that we can share. For God so loved the world. You know God loves you. God loves me. God loves we. God so loved the world. Seven billion people alive today now on planet earth. Such a big, huge, impersonal number. But God loves you. If you're here and you can fog a mirror, God loves you. He loves you. In fact, on the count of three, I'm going to say, for God so loved, and I'm going to have you put your name there. One, two, three. For God so loved, put your name there. There you go. That he gave his one and only son. His name is who, church? That whosoever believes, right, church? In who, church? Jesus. Whoever believes in Jesus. I stopped going my way with my life. How well are you doing with that? How's it working out for you, your life without Jesus? I tell you what, when I was living my life without Jesus, it wasn't working so well. When my family was living our life without Jesus, it wasn't working so well. And I'll never forget the day that I stopped going my way and I did an about face and I said, you know what? God loves me so much. He sent Jesus to come to this earth. He lived the perfect life I could never live. He took my sin upon him when he went to that cross. He buried it in that tomb. He came forth the third day. And when I commence a personal relationship with him, oh, my word, that changes everything. And boy, that is the understatement of the day. Did it change everything? And I knew what forgiveness meant. I knew what joy meant. I found real hope and real joy and real peace. And I found it all when I found the reality of a personal relationship with Jesus. And I didn't go looking for him, but he came looking for me. And he stood at the door of my heart and he knocked. And by his grace and strength, I opened the door and he changed everything in my life from the inside out. And that's all we want for our neighbors and our community and our valley and our world to know this one that can change everything. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you know him? Do you know him? If you know him as the greatest treasure of your life 
If you don't, can I just tell you this? We love you and he loves you. And our very purpose for being here this morning is to point you to him. Because he's the one that can absolutely help you make a message out of the mess that you're currently living in. We want people to know him. What do we want them to know? Two things, very quickly. We want them to know the gospel. And we want them to establish their identity in him. We want them to know the gospel. What's the gospel, Pastor Mike? 1 Corinthians 15. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's the life and ministry of Jesus. It's what Jesus can offer. When we stop going our way, we go his way, and we invite him into our life to be our Savior and our Lord. We bring these gospel realities to life and to action in our heart. We want people to know the gospel of Jesus, and we want them to establish their identity in what he has done for them, what he has done for you. My ultimate identity is not as a pastor or a preacher or a teacher. I mean, I am those things, but my ultimate identity is I'm a son of the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm a follower of Christ. And that identity will never change. I could lose my vo- you know, I could lose my voice. It has happened to many individuals who have been phenomenal teachers and preachers of God's word. And they lost the ability to publicly proclaim and to teach in this type of form. But that didn't change who they were in Christ. That's why I urge all of our singers and, and our AV techs, our, our personality, our, our identity isn't wrapped up in, in, in what we do for him. It's not the fact that I'm the best greeter on Sundays that ever has been. In fact, I've done the studies. This greeter says I can hand out more programs than any other greeter in any other church in the United States. Within a one-minute period, I can give out more programs and smile and greet with the highest level of efficiency of any greeter in America. That's wonderful, but what if you lose the ability to stand and do that? You know, one simple valve not opening in your body can change everything and you can't even greet anymore. But you know what? That doesn't change who you are in Christ. And our identity is not wrapped up in what we do for him. Our identity is completely encapsulated in who we are in him. And we've got to nail that down. Our joy is who we are in him. And what we do out of that is simply done out of a heart of gratitude for all that he has done for us. We want people to know the gospel, to root their identity deep in who they are in Jesus. I am glad that you're a mom. I think we've got some of the best moms here on the planet. But your ultimate identity is who you are as a daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's where your identity rests. I know a lot of people that have children to try to find. Watch this church. Uh Uh-oh, he's going deep. To try to find their identity. Right? You've got to establish your identity and who you are in Christ. And then you parent out of who you are in Christ. So important. So, so important. So think about that phrase. Can we go back, John, to that original mission statement? It's all right there. Our passion, our resolve, our resolve, our passion is to love our neighbors and to learn together how to know. But look, it's not only to know. We'll now go, John, back to our Broxes. Not just to know, but it's also to live, to live like Jesus, to live like Jesus. Pastor Mike, where in the world do we see 
the need to live like Jesus. Remember that great commandment that you would teach them to what? To observe all things, to obey all things that I've commanded. Listen to John 17, verse 3. Check it out this afternoon very quickly. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one that has sent you. We got to know him. And then first John 2, 6, the other gift that was given to us by the beloved apostle John. Listen to this verse. First John 2, 6. So, so good. What's it say? Those who say they live in God should also live their lives just as Jesus did. We want to come to know him and then we want to live our life, our marriages, do our parenting, go to work in the employer-employee relationship, thoroughly living out the principles and the important truths and the applicable absolute takeaways from God's word that we can apply directly into every aspect and every avenue of our lives so that we live like him. In other words, we grow in Christ likeness. And so I husband as Christ would have me to husband and and, and you're a wife that that Christ would have you to be. And we parent as Christ would have us to parent and and we do our finances as Christ would have them to do this. And and, and we interact in our employee employee relationship just as Christ would have us to do that. Pastor, where do I learn all that? We learn all of that in this Bible, his words. And he teaches us how to do this whole of life. We live like him. Let's look behind that tab very quickly and see what does a Jesus life look like? What are the principles and priorities? Well, it's a life that's lived in community. We're just looking at some baby steps here. That's why we make a priority out of Sunday and why we make a priority out of getting into a class or a group. By the way, those are never competing interests. They're always complementing interests. We get in a class or a group so that we can learn and grow and, and, and study God's word together in community and learn what it means to live like him. Would you agree that Jesus was a servant? Absolutely. Jesus says, I'm among you as one who serveth. I'm here to serve. We're going to see it next week. You can't miss next week as we study John 13 and we watch Jesus wash his disciples' feet. Wow, what an act of service. So we serve because he served. We want to be like him. We're in community because he demonstrated the importance of being in community. We want to be in community. We're a learner and a self-feeder like he was as he went away from the crowds into that quiet, solitary place where he there communed and he had that relationship with God. And through Jesus, we have the opportunity because he's made us right with God of fostering and developing our own personal relationship with God. And he showed us that priority. We want to live like him, did he practice radical hospitality and generosity? Absolutely. He didn't go to the park and feed one family, two family, three family, four. No, he went to the park right along the river and right along the seashore, really. And what did he feed there? He fed 5,000. Wow, that's hosting a big crowd. Then he did it again and fed four. And that didn't count women and children. Holy smokes. This is radical and amazing generosity, radical hospitality. Love when he meets the woman at the well, so tender, so gracious, so kind. Yes, ma'am, 
I know you're not living with your husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. And life's not worked out anything like you had planned it. But Jesus says what? If you'll believe in me, I'll give you water, living water. You'll never thirst again. So generous, so loving, so kind. Hey, he loved the church. He gave his life for the church. That's why we love the church. We love to be a church. We love to be in community with God's people. He lived from an eternal perspective. He had a story to tell. And we learned this last week, as you remember, and so do you. It's the story of how you met the Lord and what he has done in and through your life. And it is powerful and it is compelling. And you have that to share just like him. He lived in complete obedience to the will of the Father. And he invites us to do the same. Remember the great commandment and teach these ones who have been reached, baptized, and are beginning to grow. Teach them to obey all my commands. And we watch Jesus live that out. Man, you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, Lord, if it, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Have you ever thought of the ingredients of that cup? Have you ever looked into that cup and thought what all was there? The weight of the sin of the world, which, by the way, includes all of your sins and all of mine. I mean, just for Pastor Josh's sins alone, that's backbreaking. I mean, I'm not even. Wait a minute. I'm just kidding. For Pastor Mike's sins alone, that's backbreaking. But all of the sins of the world, of all people that have ever lived and ever will live. That's what was in that cup. If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. How about the turning of the father's back from him when he was on the cross? The first time in all of human history that the perfect fellowship between God the father and God the son was ever broken. And the father could not in all of his holiness look upon all of that sin piled upon Jesus. Mike's sin, Josh's sins, Jack's sins, Sally's sins, Sandy's sins, Betty's sins, Samantha's sins, Kate. Rick sins, all of the sins of the world piled on him. And the father had to turn his face because he is so holy. He could not look at all of that sin. And that perfect fellowship was broken. And then just what he physically endured to pay the price for our sin. Someone beaten so badly that those who knew him couldn't even recognize him. The sinless son of God the perfect prince of heaven hanging on a cross, naked before that jeering mob, and he went through all of that that we can know the joy of sins forgiven. And he says, Father, if it would be possible, let, let this cup with all of those ingredients pass from me. But here's his heart. But, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He lived in obedience to God. And that's just what he invites us. And here we are, a part of the church family. And we are the grand recipients of his obedience, even his obedience unto death, the death of the cross. And we've come to know, do you know him? If you don't know him, do not raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. Because let me tell you this. Every person in this room at one time could not say, I know the Lord. There was a time in my life where I, no, I did not know the Lord. 
I was lost. I was undone. I was on my way to a devil's hell. My heart was as black as West Virginia coal, sinful, undone, did not know the Lord. Don't you be embarrassed if that's not your case. You don't know the Lord. I can't raise my hand, Pastor. You be honest. I respect honesty. But if you're here and you know the Lord, you say, Pastor, I know him. Let me see your hand real quick. Up and down. You know him. Amen. You raise your hand down. Up and down. You know him. And what were we doing now? We come to church. We go to our classes. We go to our groups. We love our groups and classes. And we do what? And we learn how to live like him. We learn how to get our marriages like him and our finances like he wants them to be and, 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 and how to interact with employees and employers like he wants us to do. And we begin to live and grow. And what a joy. Amen, church? We're the recipients of such love and grace. And it would be easy for us just to form a holy huddle and just get deeper and deeper and more and more and more. But it just doesn't stop with us learning to live like Jesus. For look at the final piece of that. Remember, our passion, our resolve, our commitment is to love our neighbors and to learn together how to know and live like Jesus. Because look what we have right here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven seats that are empty. Where are those folks at? Oh, they're on your street. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, right here. Where are those folks at? Oh, they'll be in your break room tomorrow. They're in your dorm. They're in your community group that you meet with to discuss what color we can paint the front doors and what color we can't. They're everywhere in our community and in our state and in our nation and around the world. Individuals that Jesus wants to take all of our knowing, all of our living, all of our learning. You know what he wants us to do? He wants us to go out of those doors and he wants us to love people to life. Don't forget, this isn't given technically to the church. This is giving to individual followers of him. Where we go out to love people. What does that look like? I think there's two aspects of it. I think there's the aspect where we can love our community here from our brick and mortar restaurant known as the church right here on Walnut. And people come in and they come to our attractional events and activities, which Sunday is one of those. And they hear of the love of Jesus. The great chemistry show was one of those in the fall and people came. And and that was an amazing activity to build some to show some good deeds and build goodwill that gives opportunities to share good news. We have a wonderful partnership right next door, right here on Walnut with Hoover School. and, And we're able just to love kids at the school and to love those teachers. What a blessing for us to do that. There's access where we do that right here. But then every single person who is here who earlier raised their hands. Yes, Pastor Mike, I know the Lord. I'm beginning to learn what it means to be a sincere follower of his. Guess what? You leave this fixed restaurant and you go out those doors this morning and you go into your week. And you know what you are? Your life is a gospel food truck. And these are popular now, these food trucks. I was up at the Portland airport the other day, and I was cruising in between C and D, and I was looking for the Wendy's. 
Because I had a hankering in a big way for a frosty. I'm just keeping it real. You will be comforted to know I was going to get the child size. I just get the child size. I just feel better about that. And that is a funny thing. People look at me so weird when I walk up and say, yes, I need a child's frosty, please. Chocolate. And the Wendy's was gone. Where's the Wendy's? Gone. You talk about a disappointed dude. And what's there now? Food trucks. These little food carts. Food trucks are there. Serving all kinds of different food. I drive into the downtown Corvallis. You know what I see on, on a lot of the street corners? I see food trucks. And they're serving Asian food or Hawaiian food or all kinds of different food there at the food trucks. You know what we have the opportunity of being? A church that has, yes, a fixed brick-and-mortar location that hosts events and holds services and holds all kinds of activities so that people can know and that people can grow. People can know and people can grow. But you know what else we have? We have 400 adults that meet here every Sunday that can go out into all kinds of places around this valley and be a gospel food truck. And can just share the love and the joy and the goodness and all that we have learned. We can just share it and we can serve it and we can display it and we can build goodwill and we can do good deeds. And good deeds builds goodwill that gives us opportunity to share some amazingly good news. That God loves you so much. He sent Jesus that when you stop going your way and you start going his way and you believe in what he did, he can change everything in your life from the inside out. God wants to use you as a gospel food truck where you can take your life. You know what you do? You share the story of how your life intersected with the life of Jesus and how he has changed everything in you from the inside out. And here's a church family. Some amazing defining core values. Keeps us out of trouble. Keeps us on the straight and narrow. It keeps us focused. That understands that the commandment and the commission is all about intentionally loving our neighbors and learning together how to know and live like Jesus. So that we can here, there, and everywhere share this amazing good news of how much he loves people. This is what it's all about. Will you allow your life to be a gospel food truck this week? Will you allow the counter of your life to be a place where the story is told of how much he loves people? All we're doing is being divine signposts that are just pointing people to Jesus, the one who can change everything. From the inside out. Luke 15. Jesus taught us the principles of going after the one. Who's your one? Who's the one you're commissioned to? One son, one coin, one sheep. He left the ninety and nine. And what did he do, church? He went after the one. And just shared some amazingly good news. About how Jesus can take a mess And turn it into a message when a life is transformed by him. Father, we love you. We thank you for all you've done for us. Father, we thank you 
for your goodness. And as we prepare now to celebrate the elements of your table, we have communion. It is a reflection. We look at the cup and the bread and we go, oh my goodness, what a tangible reminder how much you love me. If you're here today and you know the Lord Jesus and the pardon and forgiveness of sin, we invite you to partake of these elements as a sacred reminder of how much he loves you. If you do not know the Lord today, let the elements pass by you. But may they be a reminder of how much he loves you. You say, Pastor Mike, that's me. I'm here. I don't know the Lord. I'm here. There's never been a time where I have humbled myself and invited Jesus into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. And I would appreciate you remembering me in the closing prayer for I felt him tugging on my heart throughout the entirety of this message. If that's you this morning in this sanctuary, I would never come to you, call you out, or embarrass you in any way. I wouldn't do that for anything in the world. You say, Pastor Mike, I am spiritually unresolved, and I would appreciate your prayers. If that's you, anywhere across this sanctuary, would you just slip your hand up and just bring it right back down? I am spiritually unresolved. I do not know the Lord Jesus and the pardon and forgiveness of sin. And I feel alone, and I feel lost, and I would appreciate your prayers. Anyone across this sanctuary, just slip your hand up, drop it right down. Thank you for your honesty. Lord, you've seen the hearts of people here today. We thank you for your moving and working in and out of every seat and every aisle. And now as we partake of these elements, as Pastor Josh leads us, Lord, how blessed we are to do it. And we love you and thank you for all you've done for us. And it's in your name we pray.